Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Yardina Osband, here with my friend and Chavruta, Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Eruvin, daf Chavchet, 28. So we continue our discussion from yesterday's daf, uh, speaking about what type of food is allowed to be used for these Eruvs that we can make, whether it's the Eruv Chatserot or the Eruv Tehumim. And as we discussed in the Mishnah, right, which basically said you can use any type of food, chutz mi maim umelach, right, except for water or salt. Uh, we have sort of a continuation of that discussion. Remember, if, if you remember that on that top, Rabbi Yochanan came and said, well, it doesn't really mean that the only two things are those two things. And so here in our DAP, there's sort of a discussion of different categories of food, which may or may not be allowed to be in the Arab. Um, one is sort of foods that are not really necessarily commonly eaten, uh, like certain types of herbs or spices, which we'll talk about a little bit in more in detail later. Um, foods that maybe need to actually be cooked um, in order to make them edible. Um, and then at the end, which we'll talk about more tomorrow, it starts giving us uh, the actual share for how much food needs to be included in the Arab, which is a piece of the food in the Arab that we have not even gotten to. Um, but I think here, you know, this stuff is really just continuing the discussion that we had yesterday, which is, yes, we are going to say that any type of food can make up, um, you know, the the food that you put in an Arab. Um, but, you know, again, as the Gemara always does, food is never just food, right? There's foods that humans typically eat, foods, foods that humans typically don't eat. Uh, can a raw form be put in if that's not how you eat it, or does it need to be in its cooked form? Um, and then finally, also, like, it's good to say that you need food to make this Arab, but how much food do you actually need uh, to say that the, you know, that there was enough food put into the Arab to actually make it an Arab? And I'll add one more, which is, what are these foods that the Gemara is naming, right? These, this is vocabulary that we're going to see in the, in the Gemara that is, you know, I, I assume that in the time that the people, that they use this exact vocabulary, so everybody knew that this means this, right? If I say, I don't know, banana today, everybody knows what I mean by banana, but it's not so simple when we're talking about thousands of years of difference and and so on, right? So there's been great effort by people who know these things to actually figure out exactly which term means what. And depending on the edition of the Gemara that you're using, you can find pictures and scientific analysis to figure, or botanical analysis, I guess, to figure out why which term goes with what. I have the Koran um, Steinsaltz, you know, tradition uh, translation, but it's not about the translation. I'm using the Hebrew, but it gives the translation to English terms that I wouldn't know what those were either necessarily, but they provide pictures, which is why it's exactly the right edition for this, from what I want to talk about today. So I'm on Amad Aleph, Amad Aleph, and there's exactly what you've just outlined here, Dana, an example of, I think that they're greens or herbs. And the question is whether you can establish your area of your meal on on these things. Right, you make your Eruv, Ma'arvid, but, and here we have a whole bunch of difficult to pronounce words because we're not, I'm not familiar with them and they have a lot of the similar words. I have practiced these, but forgive me please if I get them wrong once again. Bafafufin, no. Bafafuin, Bachalagloget, 
for all that Hebrew is so phonetic, it is still a challenge when you see a whole lot of letters that you are not familiar with having them in the same order. So what are each of these? So the first, let's see, Pafuin is cress. So I've had watercress. I, I relate to watercress as, um, you know, a uh, uh, green a uh, thing that could be put in sandwiches or a salad or something like that, right? Now, purslane, I don't know what this is, except for, again, it's a particular plant which um, has, you know, based on this picture and based on the description of it, it grows wild. It's a summer green. It grows in, um, it's common to areas of Eretz Israel. It needs irrigate, you know, irrigation needs a good amount of water. It was gathered as a food and can be eaten raw or pickled. And sometimes it's cultivated for that purpose. And I'm looking at the pictures and I still don't recognize what this what this uh, food is. But fine, meaning they figured out that's what this is. The next one is sweet clover. So that we know what that is. So those three things, cress and purslane and sweet clover, which I can pronounce so much nicer. Um, all of them are eligible to be part of what you establish your Erev on, right? They can be in that meal. They count, Yardina, as you said, they count as food. But food is never quite food. Here we go. Avalob chaziz. Chaziz is green, green. And lobakapaniot, or unripe dates. Now, green grain is, it sounds like it's a strain of green, but it may also simply be the, or the way it's under, interpreted here, as the green that is not really used for human consumption so that it becomes animal consumption. But since we don't, since people don't usually eat it, it becomes not food as far as establishing an Eruv on it would go, at least at this, according to this opinion in the Gemara. And then Kafaniot is unripe dates, which I feel is the same kind of thing, right? If you're going to eat your dates, well, of course you can establish an Eruv on a meal of dates, that makes sense, right? It's one of the Shivat Aminim, for that matter, the seven species of the land of Israel, but not when they're unripe, because when they're unripe, who's eating them? So then that's, again, it's food that's not food, but in a different way. And then the Gemara says, well, let's let's go double check these cases that, that you know, we've just established that these all can be meals. And the Gemara says, but really, over, over good good gadoniot, who makes an Eruv on this sweet clover? So this is really interesting because I'll explain the, the Hebrew in a moment. Basically, it says there are people who will eat this and there are other people who will not eat this. And the question then is, does this does the fact that some people won't eat it remove it from the category of being food for our purposes of establishing an Erev? So the Gemara says as follows. We know that there's a Brita that says that sweet clover is a food that those who have many children can eat. But those who do not have children should not eat it. Apparently, it was, uh, you know, got in the way of fertility. And if it was, and then the goes on to say, or maybe it's still quoting the Breita, that if it's already hardened to become a seed, um, is hardened into seed. So now that's not really eating in, a, in an enjoyable kind of way. So then maybe the people who already have children also should not eat it at that point because it's not really food anymore. So then the implication is, so who's going to be eating sweet clover to establish your Eruv? How could it possibly be used? 
Go back to that statement that says you can make your Erevan sweet clover and, and understand it as follows. We're not talking about sweet clover that's already hardened to seed. We're talking about the greens. And we're not talking about people who don't have children and therefore shouldn't be eating it. We're talking about those who have many children and therefore are permitted to eat it. Right? So, and this will go back to the example that we saw the other day of um, when you have a Nazir, right? The Nazir is not supposed to be drinking the wine, but the meal can still be established on on wine because other people can be having it. So so the this phenomenon is not so crazy. And the Gemara brings exact brings this up exactly. Maybe you want to say that always we're talking about sweet clover can be always can pardon me. It can always be used as an Arab even for those people who do not have children. Why? Because once it's fit for those who do have many children, then maybe those who do not have many children can still establish their meal, their their Arab upon this meal. Did we already talk about the fact that you could have a meal for an Arab or for a Nazir that has wine or for Yisrael, um, you know, who could who who's not allowed to eat the truma, but the meal for the for the Arab can be established on truma. Alma So the fact that one person can't use it, but the other person can, that should be enough. here means fit. Um Khazi, the word in Aramaic is like to see, chazon, we know that also from biblical Hebrew. Um, but it translates to be raui meaning it's fit for this, the fact that it's not fit for this category of people, but it is fit for this category of people means that at the end of the day, you get to use it for your Eruv. You know, and then, and then there's one other possibility. I just want to say the one other possibility on the sweet clover is that, that, that we get it wrong, right? That he is not talking about this particular kind of sweet clover that could be a problem for fertility. But, again with the words but right that he's talking about a different kind of clover which is of a different quality and it's not harmful including to the people who don't have children this whole discussion about like harmful food or not harmful food was very interesting to me because I, i have to imagine there are other foods that would be in this category it's interesting that they sort of have focused in on this particular one um, and again, I would maybe like expand this, like, you know, I, maybe this is too much of a stretch, but like, we know there are foods that we eat today that are harmful in the sense of like, I don't know, fat content, or what would this mean if you served a food that was, you know, like, I guess the thing I thought of was like, what if you did all foods that were very high in sugar and wouldn't be healthy, healthy for somebody who was a diabetic? Like we're exactly. Oh, I can't think about allergies. Right, allergies. What about somebody that's who truly can't have okay, it? Okay, right. Like that's a great example. Like we talked about that. You know, well, the Mishnah talked about it at least, right? Like you could make an error with wine for a nazir. Um, what would this extend? What would the extension of this be? You know, if you knew, God forbid, that a food was very harmful to a person, they have anaphylaxis, right? Would that be allowed to be in the Arab? I, I don't know. I just there's something. Uh, I, again, when we learn the daf, we're not always learning it in terms of what's actual halacha lamasa, but there's something about this conversation and the conversation in the Mishnah 
that I feel like may have some actual very practical implications for Arov, you know, and what foods could be included in it. Yeah, I find it, I think I find it interesting in part for this, you know, and again, just the fact that they're being so precise, you know, (laughs) which of course the Gemara is so precise, of course, but I don't know, you know, like to the extent that you can establish on these greens, but not on those greens, you know. Right, it's very precise. I just wanted to read one little bit, which was in the middle of Amud Bet, um, that again, talking about what would the practical halacha be? And again, because this is Dafyomi, I don't always get, you know, and I'm not as far ahead as I would like to be every day in terms of, you know, being a few more dap in the head. And maybe I could have asked somebody this um, is, uh, you know, it's talking about the case of heart of uh, heart of palm. Um, and it says here, can um, Right. So it's going back to the statement of Rav. And it says that you cannot, as you know, can't establish an error with unripe dates. And then it's going to quote a Brisa to discuss this further. Vahatanya, right? Wasn't it taught in a Brisa? Kornikaf Bekesav Maser, right? Kor is heart of palm, okay? Can be bought with Maser Shani money, okay? Remember, that is the money that was used. We talked about, you know, when you went up to Yerushalayim. It does not become tame with the tame of food. And the, you know, and the reason for that is, is that it's not actually considered to be food because it's really part of a tree and a tree cannot get this type of, of, of tumat ochlin. So I read this and I was like, huh, I wonder if today we would paskin totally differently because I feel like today everybody eats heart of palm. Like you can buy it in a can um, and I have certain family members who eat it like straight out of the can. <laughs> and right, I do it. too. So, you know, I guess my whole question about this particular DAF was, you know, could we find foods today that the Gemara does not list, um, you know, that either are harmful to somebody that we would today say could not be included as a food? In other words, like, are we going to stick to the list as it's only presented in the Gemara? And the inverse of that would be, taking this case of the heart of palm and saying, well, today, would we really just consider it to be food? Because it's really eaten like a regular food. I mean, obviously, it's processed in a factory and harvested. So it's more accessible or it gets easier for people to eat. But whatever it is, could we change its status and say, like, no, it's actually a regular food. And, you know, if we were keeping Tumantara this way, would we say that it can get Tumat Ochlin? I don't know. This was this was sort of the big questions that I was left with looking at the staff. So I think that this is one of those challenges that we find in learning Dafyomi without automatically always taking any halacha we come to, to the final steps of sakalacha, of actual applied halacha, because there obviously are people in this world who pass an Erevin all the time, right? They set them up, they answer difficult questions over whether you need a lechi in that particular situation, right? So I would wager that there are folks out there, rabbis, scholars, experts, who do have information for us on this, and perhaps we'll be able to get it, you know, in time before we're done with this topic entirely. Um, <clears throat> also, I imagine that there's probably come to be something that is like the the Eruv meal upon which you set up your Eruv, and it probably is not any of these things, right? These are the, the, the reason the Gemara is talking about these cases is because they're more exceptional to begin with, as opposed to saying, all right, sit down with your challah roll and an egg. I don't know, I made that up, right? But meaning, if we think about an Erev Tafshilin, which is so traditionally a piece of, a slice of matzah, you know, a slab of matzah and, and a hard-boiled egg, even though it doesn't have to be, 
right? And we know that it doesn't have to be for Avers to have Shilin. So I'm guessing, although again, it's pure speculation on my part, that there is a traditional Erev Chatzerot meal or an Erev Tchumen meal, and it is probably something like, you know, a hard-boiled egg and a piece of bread, or I don't know if you can wash in every circumstance, whatever, right? So even though there's many more possibilities upon which the meal could be established, uh, perhaps we will be able to get a sock between now and whenever. Yeah, I definitely, if we get some answers to these things, I will definitely follow up in a future, um, you know, in a future podcast. But again, I think it just, we should pause and think a little bit about, you know, that things may have been true, you know, how food was viewed at the time of the Gemara. And then we see that some of those things have actually evolved or maybe have changed. Right. It is truly fascinating. I agree with you there. That's our DAP discussion for the day. Brink us review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP or if you have any answers to some of these questions that Ann and I raised today on our Talking Talmud <laughs> Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.